got the blue button and we are live. Jim C, what is up? What is up? How's it going? Me. How's your day going? You have a good That's day? That's great. I just came back from a run. Uh, we ran probably four miles and two of them were in a nice soaking rain. But we have a like, it's easy to do when you have friends. Mm. <laughs> we have a good run group that gets us through the winter. Nice. So. That's good. Yeah. So I actually prepared for this today. Okay. By, uh, so is that a normal thing? Where you're no, 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 no. Or? I prepared for this by running a mile. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never run, but I ate a whole entire pack of cookies and was like, you Felt know compelled what? compelled to go out and burn off some calories? Well, it was on the treadmill, so it's not That's the same. Right. But I did a mile, and I did it in less than 10 minutes, so I was happy. That's pretty good for never doing it. That's really good. I was happy, and I was like, you know what? I realized while I was running, I was like, wait a minute. I'm talking to Jim tonight. He runs all the time. This is funny. <laughs> You know, it's, it's that first mile or whatever run, whatever length you do, you want to do it and leave yourself thinking you could do more. Oh, I couldn't. I was not thinking that. <laughs> but you had a good experience. You had a good laugh. And you're yeah. like, okay. But sometimes if you do it and then you're like, I'm doing five miles. You never do five miles. You're going to hate it. And you'll never come back. Oh, like yeah. A- That's not going to happen. I'll probably do it more often. Yeah. The, there's a. It's like anything, like BMX is a community to it, running as a community to it. Yeah. Once you find a community, you'll get into whatever sport or whatever thing. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could just jump right on the comparisons between running and riding. I feel like there are definitely comparisons to be made there. Uh, when I first started running, I, I got into it when I was living in Austin and like Austin's like huge capital BMX. And like, I felt like everywhere I went, it was like I was talking BMX and talking BMX or talking about warranting forks, talking mm. about warranties, right? Yeah. And the thing I, I was like, I don't know, getting old and, and you kind of like time is ticking. And then the, the idea of a triathlon came up and I realized there's shorter versions of it. And I was like, oh, wait, I could do a triathlon. I, I've done a 5K before and I ride bikes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not can I swim. Short, you know, spoiler alert, I can't really swim very well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but running kind of took over or it was just such an interesting raw and like, it was just this kind of raw thing and allowed me to kind of go places easily. Mm. And, um, I, I, I felt like with BMX, it's like a trick is over in a split second. We're running and you do it for an hour. And so I don't, the only, I would say the only comparisons that I ever found um, was downhill trail running. Okay. Right. Like running a steep section downhill where it's like, there is adrenaline. There is like, you gotta be decisive and you're like foot, foot, like your foot placement, like boom, boom, boom. And it's, and if you do it right, you can make it smooth. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, if you hit like trails, if you pump everything right, you can get it smooth and it's, it's great all day. And you can kind of do that with like a downhill trail. And that's like the most thrilling, exhilarating thing I've done in running where otherwise, nah, I don't, I wouldn't compare it as much. Maybe somebody else would. Interesting. I I didn't anticipate this being where that would go, but you did just mention the community aspect of it, which is an overlap, I think. Yeah, totally. um, I would say I wouldn't be running. And I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't be running 
um, if there wasn't a QB to be. Like, yeah. you didn't have – the one thing I loved about running was that it was, like the, – the coolest thing about running was the fact that you can't tell how rich a person is, how – maybe you could tell how good they are, but you, people could dress the part. Um, but everybody wears the same clothes, essentially. Okay. So you can't tell what their job is or how either how poor or how rich they are. I've run, I, I ran tonight with like, you know, like a guy that works works H or HVAC, and then another one's like and teachers, and then throat surgeons and lawyers and like assistant DAs. Hmm. And like you cannot tell, and it's like it's a cool escape because nobody wants to talk about their work unless yeah, right. no, right? Like I think like none of the it takes a while for people to find out my history in running. Like I don't talk or history in BMX. Yeah. And like, I don't say anything. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, it's great. I don't have to talk about that. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. There's a freedom in that it's a freedom in the, uh, anonymity. You can get to be yourself. Right. And I think, I mean, I think you kind of hit into it in that it's like an escape from other things similar to the way riding is, but in a different way almost. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like riding was like, you most people don't go there, right? Like right. most people don't have a passion they've done all their life, or they don't. They struggle with the idea of like doing a trick over and over and over mm-hmm. again. That's there's a fear in that of like judging yourself to not be good. Whereas yeah, us, I think that's the beauty of BMX is that I'll try this trick fifty times. Yep, it's takes that to solve a problem and it's not a judgment on me as a writer it's it's you know it's just we're just figuring it out yeah that's so interesting this is not the way i thought that that question would go at all i was like i thought i was gonna make yeah it's pretty similar to all these and, this, <laughs> and i was like nope actually it's really different and that's yeah. kind of cool i guess you could say it's controlling the mind like mm-hmm. if you're running on a road yeah that is super hard because you can get bored easy. Right. Right. But if you run trails, like you could do that. You could do six miles on trails and it goes by like no problem because you're so kind of focused in the moment. You're like watching rocks, you're watching roots and it's like, and you're so present. We're on the road. You need things to distract you. And it totally makes sense. Like a trick, right? Like if you're going to bob the bomb down a rail or do something that you're really scared of, the last thing you want in your head is like you thinking about, you know, what's for dinner later. Mm-hmm. Oh, cook this or, Oh, you know, my some problem, my cat's being a jerk. Right. Oh, something right. like that. You know, you don't. So I guess you could say it is, there is a control of the mind mm-hmm. of letting things in and letting things out and not dwelling on them or letting them getting in the way. Um, but there's not as much consequence with the red. Let's yeah. downhill trails, but that's about it. Huh. Well, also speaking about running, do you remember the first time we ever met? I do not. You don't? Because this is a funny one. Okay. No, it was, uh, I was in Buffalo with my buddy Sponge, and we, we were met up with Charlie, and okay. we were loading our bikes onto my car, and a group of people runs by, and all of a sudden somebody comes out of the group, and it's you. And you came up to a, the car. Was it by the bridge? That, that spot? Or wait, but where was it? We were parked in just some parking lot where Charlie had us park. 
and we were loading <laughs> our bikes up after riding and you just popped out of the group of people who ran by and it was like and charlie's just like oh hey jim and then uh you recognize sponge as the uh, x up nose manual guy yeah, yeah okay and that made him really happy for oh, one that's the best trick he was he was stoked that that <laughs> happened stoked. that's a great trick well i mean <laughs> i mean the fact that you came up and you're like oh you're the x up nose manual guy he was that like made his day but just the fact that we're loading up our bikes on the car and then randomly you pop out of a group of people it's so buffalo so small <laughs> it, was, it was cool though it was it was just fun that's cool yeah. glad i do remember that yeah i don't quite remember what parking lot i do remember talking to sponge about that yeah and being like oh yeah because it's like i remember when that came out it had to be like 2010 Dude, i believe it was a long time ago because we did it or he did it in a video that we posted oh gosh i can actually look it up right now like the prefab ramps right like yep. a... uh 10 years ago the nose manuals by themselves were posted for yeah, a right? nose manual contest april 9th 2012 and our video was before that okay so. I remember, like, see, I, I, I mean, I don't remember much these days anymore, but like, <laughs> I feel like I was sitting in the back offices with Logan, mm. uh, Logan Biles, um, um, and that came out, and obviously he knew because he was working at Ray, so he knew everyone. Yep. And he would, he would, he was just so amped, and obviously I was amped because that was like, that's like a dream trick. Yeah. Like, oh, it'd be so wild if you could just get in and, and do it. You know, like, I always talk about, you know, X up hangers. Oh but, my gosh! Right, like somebody's gonna do it. Somebody I mean, has to do that. Like, just the obviously the level of riding and how great it is now. You're like, oh, somebody's gonna be like, oh, that's that's totally possible. Holy cow! Just imagining that position and hanging over in yeah. it. It's definitely doable, but whoever does it is gonna go through it to get it done, or it's gonna happen first try. It's either going to be first try or you're going to crash yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, because like, cause you want to – I don't know if you have to get your back end over far first before the peg actually lands. I don't know. I don't know what – and point it down, but I don't know. I don't – I can't wait to see someone do it. Somebody. Oh, hopefully hopefully <laughs> us putting it out there in the universe means somebody catches it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to be like, oh, that's totally possible. Yeah. Or pretty working. Or maybe they already did it. Yeah, it's going to come out in an edit next week, and we're going to be like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> it is. We just got to say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so what's BMX like for you today? You, you're still riding. I see you still doing it. So what's go, your BMX I've life been, like? I'm, I'm like back riding. I definitely took a hiatus. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, two things really brought me back was, A, I got a new bike. Um, Sunday, they're doing a new prototype. Yeah. Um, so they sent me a frame cause like I'm still sent me the 24 and I still like it. I think it's for me, it's still like a creative outlet. It's this, it's this thing I'm still trying to explore mm -hmm. and we got a, we have a skate park here. It's like the LaSalle skate park and it's on the water and they got to go get, they got a bowl. They finally built a, a bowl, the street phase, the two phases where it was like plaza stuff and that's great, but it wasn't what i was fully interested at the time or yeah. still not interested 
well, we got a bowl here, and the bowl is like tight. It's it's got some some quirks to it. Nice. Um, it's fun, and and that's what kind of really motivated me. I was like, oh, this is all right. I like this bowl, and and it's not perfect. And the bike, riding a fresh bike with, like, they fixed a bunch of the things that I would have I would have changed. Mm-hmm. And so now you're like, all right, I'm not limited are limited by you know like quote not they have different geometry and a little steeper head tube and you're like all right all right now i could still now i could take that and i'm not limited so i'm gonna go and and see what i can do and and the real like bmx now i'll be like i'll be 50 next year but like it's really the only goal with bmx is what it should probably always be but um when you're I don't know, but it was just to put a smile on my face now. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm smiling and not bleeding, I'm psyched. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, you, just, you take it for granted healing quickly. You don't heal as quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hear that. I did not. Dude, you don't look like you're about to be 50. I don't feel like it, but I definitely things are <laughs> there's stuff showing that I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I guess I am 50. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, from what you post, it seems like you're still having fun and bringing stuff back and doing new stuff sometimes. Yeah, it's it's pretty surprising. Like, I, I was really shocked that getting in the bowl and riding and, and cruising and going fast, like, like all the instincts were there. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, you think about it, like you're doing something for – It'll be next year. Will be my fortieth year. I would say riding a BMX bike. Yeah. And like that stuff, all the instincts you don't lose that. I guess when you do it every day for, you know, twenty years essentially, like twenty years at a higher level, um, that stuff becomes ingrained, and you don't quite lose it. There's definitely stuff that I've lost, mm. but I remember like doing my first bar spin again, and just was like. Like I just finally like got the nerve to throw it and I did it. And like when you've done so many bar spins, you don't hands knew where to go. You were ready. Yeah, exactly. I did it. It was like, Oh, all right. That's awesome. I'm psyched. It's it's almost (laughs) like riding a bike, right? It really is just like riding a bike. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. You're motivating people and stuff too, because I remember the ice pick to fakie challenge thing that you did with, I'm not sure who it was that you did that with, but it was like, it was a cool thing that I saw on Instagram that you did. Yeah. Uh, my friend Puck, uh, Brad Byrne, he lives in Richmond. He filmed like a bunch of stuff for kink back in the day, shooting like photos. And then he just, I don't know. I just, we, we go back to like 1999, like when I went down and met Tib, Rob Tibbs and so we met then i think he was like 16 but he's just he's an awesome dude and he just i don't know i do just i'm excited i'm stoked he put up the challenge mm-hmm. or he like took it right i kind of was like because we both did it literally within minutes of each other whoa really like, in like yeah, real we, time real time like we were like messaging back and forth oh. and he's like i'm going to the skate park i'm like i am too <laughs> and and so we started we just kind of messaging like, Oh, I didn't do it or blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I get a video and it's him doing it. And I literally just pulled it. That's sick. like, so cl- like, I was like, that's cool. Like we just, 
I was creating a moment, <laughs> memory. Yeah. That, you know, this like serendipitous, like, oh, it's just, yeah, we're doing it at the same time. We're not there together, but we're in spirit. And you just, you know, someone, you know, 800 miles away is doing the same thing at the same time as you. Like, all right, cool. This it's is like, good. uh, it's like Joe Dirt when he talks about looking at the moon. <laughs> Thinking yeah, yeah, his family's yeah. looking at the moon somewhere else. You're too. always picking at the same time as I am, are we? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I wonder if you could like look at the source of the eclipse and see how close in time it actually yeah. happened. Yeah, I'm gonna ask him. He's 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 smart like that. He'll be able to figure it out. That would be really cool. So <laughs> Yeah. That's rad, man. Uh and it's cool to hear the current life, but uh I kind of want to take things back a little bit. Okay. I, I'm i going to admit, and I talk about this stuff all the time, I'm not as well-read on BMX as I should be because I I just grew up being obsessed with filming and riding. When did you start riding? 2006. Okay, okay. So it was like, you know, mid, mid-2000s era, but I asked a bunch of people some of the stuff that, I should talk about today and just talking about kink a little bit was was something that came up and i feel like it's a good place to start well actually more of a question here would be like is kink where the start of your like bmx career would be at or did anything come before that no it would be kink i um you know i always like put it to it the fact that like getting on kink like getting there's a few things uh, I would say getting on kink, becoming friends with Jeff Z, mm. and kinks like connection to props are the things that like, you know, vaulted me into into BMX Prodom or whatever you however you want to call it. Like those three things um, were my like catalyst. Obviously Road Fools, Road Fools Seven and Road Fools Nine, mm-hmm. like the Solinsky show and like there's just these moments that really kind of, you know, propelled me. I would say, um, it only happened because kink is in Rochester and I was like a city over an hour away. And just like, like I had started meeting those guys. I knew a bunch of the Rochester guys Mm -hmm. and I never met Zach for the longest time, but I met Greg Walsh who was working for King. I don't know exactly he was working at a shop called hard packed and then he started working in kink or I don't know if he was doing both at the same time, but we became friends and he somehow just Greg, if you know, Greg, Greg is like a motivator and he is, he's like progressive in the sense he's going to push or he, he sees talent and or he sees things and he's going to try to make it like bigger. Okay. And like give or give it opportunity. I don't know if that's the best word, but he saw some some stuff in me, and and ultimately, like they flew me a frame, and and just he it was weird because he it started to happen, and then he got a he got the offer at Primo to plus, and he moved to California like like right at the start, and I was like, oh 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 all right, I guess we're like didn't quite like I knew Zach, but Zach's Zach is Zach. That's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but the motivator and the and the drive was Craig at Kink early from at 
the period of time he was there. Like Greg yeah. had ideas and he wanted to do those and he got me involved or he got me sponsored and ended up doing a bunch of ads and I guess what happened they did the tour, the kink tour in like June of the revolution or revolution in like 2000, like June of 2000. Okay. And like Nate Hansen's on it. Uh, uh, Dave Young, Rob Tibbs, uh, who else? Ryan Schur, uh, Ariaga wasn't on the tour at the time. Uh, Jimmy Buckins was there. And so once that kind of happened and then the, one of the big catalysts was like Ryan Schur moving. He moved to San Diego for a minute and then mm-hmm. moved. He ended up staying on my couch for a long time, but he and I would go to Rochester and kind of bombard Zach with ideas. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. And that's where like the Freebird came. We like, we like, cause kink was like this. Cause the nineties was like, you build things overweight. That yeah. was like the only, this is how we make a strong bike. And then, right. and then when we started at kink, we're like, I, I was never really an overweight bike guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ride the empire, but that's all I had. And, and then we were all pushing cause I didn't want like, like the thought was like, the reason why you don't break the stuff is because you can't lift it. Yeah. Right. And so there has to be a happy middle ground of like, all right, how much can we take away without it being like in like totally weak? Mm-hmm. And so Ryan and I, along with like other guys on the team were feeling it too. And we were kind of pushing for like a lighter weight. And that was like the transformation of kink in, in a sense. Nice. So the, your signature frame with kink being a little lighter was something that was like a conscious thing that you guys were trying to make. Happen. Oh, totally. Totally. Like the Freebird came out first. They were all made because kink was all American made at that point. Yeah. And, um, brew, which is blue, blue Ridge electric welding out of Boone, Boone, North Carolina. Like mm-hmm. Steve, Steve's still around. It's awesome. He's still doing stuff. But, um, we did the, the free bird. Ryan's frame was first. And then I did mine ultimately. And Steve was like, Steve was like, he knew that I was like, I want to do. It's a free bird. Okay. Kevin yeah. Zuba just sent me this picture while we're talking of, the, <laughs> of your free bird. So keep going here. Free bird is awesome. That was like, I can tell you alternate names for it and all this, but I did the, I did hand did the drawings on like paper. It's yeah. Nice. So I, I, I drew those, I drew mine. And then like Steve at brew was like, we were just kind of going back and forth. And he knew that I was like, like I wanted lighter and lighter frames and so we were talking about butted tubing and then we it was like mine and rick Turno's was the first to do like an english bottom bracket like oh yeah bracket. yeah yeah the yeah yeah and then what else we do i don't even think we did i can't even remember i got the frame upstairs somewhere downstairs but but like yeah it was fun to you know steve really kind of pushed it and he said we could do this, this, he proposed ideas. And I was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just see how light we can get. And like the first day I put it together, the bike was under 30 pounds, which I'd, I'd never ridden. Wow. How cool. So what period of time, like what year would about would this been? That would have been two, I think 2002. Wow, man. How crazy. Yeah. 
it was wild. Like Ruben's frame came out and that was the, along the same lines of like the light, like we're, we're kind of reject the heavy frames. Mm-hmm. Let, let's go towards light. Cause you know, the more, I'm not saying I'm the greatest skill, but I think it's the more skill you get, the less you need the, like the burly, burly frames. Right. Like I never was like a bike thrower. I didn't like to drop my bike out of a trick. A lot of times I go down with the ship. Yeah. Because you, I don't know I kill it. Kind of come from this like broke ass era of things where, like, oh, it's money. I gotta spend money on new parts if I just throw my bike. <laughs> oh, I get that totally. It's just being conscious of like, oh, if I just let this thing get destroyed, it costs money when I could hang on to it and it not get destroyed. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of that that idea of like, um, but it was it was a wild time of like just re-exam like going through everyone's like every part on your bike and going all right what can we make lighter like where like where do we not need weight yeah that's so interesting yeah it it was interesting was like if you look when you look at old bike checks from that era the 2000s they always had a section about like modifications like Mm. what is your bike yeah what did you do to make it kind of uniquely yours and everybody would have something. A lot of people were like doing weight things. Like you'd cut the seat post tube mm-hmm. and you do all these things. And I don't, I don't know. Do you, do people have that anymore? Like I, I swear all the modifications became normal. Yeah. Okay. So my perspective on this, where we are today in BMX is that it's kind of been like a, a wave of like it got whichever way you want heavy and light to go. It got, it got overbuilt because things were too weak and breaking all the time and they didn't want that anymore. So they just built things as strong and as much metal as they could so that they didn't deal with it breaking. And then, then it went downhill and it got lighter again until it like the grim reaper frame, ultra light. That's the opposite end of the spectrum where it got too light. And, and it sounds like kind of your frame and Ruben's frame is the beginning of that crest that starts yeah. it going down. Probably and, Rick's frame too, but I don't think standard was as strong as it was. It wasn't a McNeil. It wasn't, wasn't a like kink at the time, but yeah, yeah. That was like the start of like, let's look another direction. It's really interesting here. So did, budding t- budded tubing wasn't really a thing before that. No, cause it was expensive and like, um. you know, like, that didn't really, I think, because you always hear people talk about using like Reynolds tubing, Reynolds bought it mm-hmm. tubing. And like, you think about like the price of a frame, not that it has stayed the same, but it's, it hasn't like, like, like if you think about like, like the audience for BMX, right? The mm-hmm. cost has to fit a certain range. And the people yeah. that buy it don't, it's usually like parents and kids and, it's not like mountain bikes or road bikes that have like doctors who buy frames and people are willing to drop 10,000. Right. So you don't, and you get this rejection, like chromoly is the, the thing. Like you wouldn't use a titanium, you wouldn't use aluminum. So like the costs, you don't really have a lot of room to do really innovative stuff because then it changes the price. Absolutely. I mean, I did a, a video in 2020 where I compared a 2007 ride BMX buyer's guide and I compared the prices 
to uh-huh. current day. And there was a couple like Standard and S&M. But Standard had the exact same frame because they've been doing the 250L and, and those frames for literally ever. So it was like I could compare the differences in prices from 13 years previously. And there was a couple different things, even a couple handlebars, that like the slam bars that they still mm-hmm. made. The prices on them were barely moved in those 13 years. I think now with everything going on, prices have gone up a little bit, but everything you're saying is definitely... I wonder yeah. if you could actually like see if that fits with like the change in the dollar or or oh, yeah. like did they actually stay up or or did it did it is that a realistic change or did is it just artificially low or mm-hmm. or what like yeah and I mean you could even throw in shipping price graphs and material costs and and things of that nature and find out like how it follows that and I think just in the past year and a half, two years, frames have gotten to a point where they're like definitely considerably more expensive than they were way back then where you compare them and you're like, oh, okay, there is a big difference now. Yeah. It's definitely hard because you're like, if you're a brand, you got a price within like this frame probably competes with this frame. And Mm -hmm. is it like, what do you have on it? And does it warrant other costs? Yeah. Well, that and you got to make enough money to stay in business too. Yeah, you got to <laughs> stay in business. You got to fund your team, and mm-hmm. it's only—it's not like the full price of the frame that's funding your team. It's just a little bit where you make some profit, and you have to fund your team and fund your employees and all that stuff. Yeah, it's that's wild. A challenge. Damn. Uh, so, at what point in all of what we were talking about with the frames and kink and stuff did uh, Odyssey happen? That was 2001. What happened was um, 2000 or 2001. Somewhere in there, Jimmy Buckins and Brian Schur went to to Interbike. Um, mm-hmm. Right? It's probably 2000 because they were out there at the time. So they went to Interbike and <clears throat> um, they had apparently stopped into the booth and started talking to those guys. And they had an Odyssey was – they had – I'm guess yeah, it would have to be Chris. They had a, they spoke to Chris Katsonas and he was saying how that they were changing things and doing they have all these ideas and they and he probably explained some of the products and that and we could get whatever we wanted from Odyssey. And so when they came back they eventually showed up in Buffalo and told me this. I was like, Okay, that's cool, you know Odyssey was not Odyssey it is today, right? Yeah. They had a lot of like not so innovative and older part ideas and nothing was like, especially like moving in the direction we wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I ended up getting a gyro in some like race rooms at first or, and I ended up breaking the race rooms, but they were like, listen, like the Hulu or not the Hulu. I guess pretty much. Um, what's the hazard? Sorry. Yeah, they used Hazard, right? The Hazard, they were like, the Hazard's coming, and it's not ready yet, but it's coming, right? And ultimately, I got, like, Earth Science tires and, and Hazard rims, and, and eventually the Hazard rims came. But what was cool about Chris was that he was from Rochester. Oh, nice. Right? Like, like we know, we 
you know, you find comfort in the people that you can relate to better. Yeah. And so I was speaking to him. I get like, oh, he's not, he's not BSing me. He doesn't sound like a sales guy. And he, and he's like, he knows what he's talking about. I could, I could tell. And then obviously he's from Rochester. So that helped. And, you know, he wasn't lying because when he, we got the new star, we finally got stuff when it came, which wasn't too long. Um, I was like, oh, all right. They're, they're, they're like, they're on it. Like, yeah. this, this is what you dream of. You're like, finally, like as somebody who, the, the cool thing, Kink was great. They were doing the things, but they had their limitations, right? Mm-hmm. It had to be like CNC and, and it was American made. Nothing against American made, but Odyssey was made in Taiwan and they had different, you know, tooling abilities. Oh, okay. And they were making more complicated parts than like a sprocket mm-hmm. and like a stem, you know? And so like, cause kink wasn't making rims at the time. And that's, that's a whole different animal. And Odyssey was kink wasn't doing tires. Odyssey was. So it obviously worked being, you know, a frame sponsor and a part sponsor. Right. Um, but it was awesome. Like just, they brought on Jim Bauer and then Nuno and it was just like, this is really this is really good i really lucked out being here yeah like, no doubt being there before all of that that is cool yeah like how many times you get like somebody tells you something and and, and it's not even close to being true or it's 30 percent true right yeah. or it's six years later and it's like oh yeah that's coming out from a different company now and it's like yeah where odyssey was like like 100 like the whole whole way for me anyway from my experience that's that's really cool and it's it's pretty wild to think about how much the geography of where you're from impacted your entire bmx career totally yeah you know yeah because you growing up in the scene of magazines everything was california uh-huh like what was i guess what was inspiring was um seeing like the plywood hoods like kevin jones mark eaton brett right. down all the and Mark Mark Eaton and watching their videos was like I connected to them because they were York PA and like where the hell is Buffalo, New York? Well where the hell is York PA? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? And be like, Oh, okay, they're in the middle of nowhere too and and they were the most progressive writers and that was that was really, really awesome. And like you can you know, the, and then Ohio guys like Chris Young and Sean Bloom and, and you know, like all those guys kind of connected. I remember went, going to York and meeting all those guys and like, oh, there is a scene. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you started in 2006, but 1991, nobody rode. I wasn't even born yet in 1991. Really? Oh, yeah. Man. Okay. That's what it I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I would say, there, how about this? There was a summer in like 88, 87, 87, 88, where I remember going to this one neighborhood and there was 50 kids with BMX bikes. It was like the heyday of like glory. I was like, oh my God, look at this bike. And everyone had these crazy colored bikes and mags and all this stuff. And then two years later, there was like me. It was like me. <laughs> it's wow. like me and a few random people. And you, yeah, it's just like this board was dead in 1991. So, just seeing the plywood hoods and being able to go down there and ride with them. And then like going, I used to go to Cleveland, mm-hmm. go to the uh, Brea triangle. If that's the right, how do you say Brea? Or Brea? Oh, Berea. Yeah. Berea, I, th- I yeah. think, I mean, I'm an hour South of that area, so I okay. could be wrong. 
I've never been able to figure it out. Um, I think it's Berea, but I'm not Berea. Positive. They had a skate park called the Berea Triangle that was like, it was the first place I learned double peg grinds. Wow. And like, like I learned double peg stalls, but like, just never had the ramps. And they had this like, super steep, like probably six foot ramp and it looked like fatter coping. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And like learned it. And I was like, oh man, this is great. This I feel like I'm progressing. Wow, man, I had no idea. So was this an outdoor or indoor park? No, it was a roller rink. Oh, they had, nice. They had a vert ramp that was like maybe six foot clearance. So we didn't really mess with the vert ramp, but they had like like fly out jumps and you could like kind of, yeah, like two vert walls, right? One here and then a quarter pipe in the middle with a deck and you could launch to the wall and down to the vert wall. Right. And like, like, that's probably where I learned to like ride vert walls. I lo- still love a vert wall to this day. Wow. <laughs> so, so what else does the skate park have? What does an indoor skate park look like in the nineties? It is piecemeal. Like it is a piece over here. It is a piece over here. They had like probably a four foot quarter. That was almost a vert with parking blocks on top. Nice. And then there was a wedge. There was like fly out. Like, it was did you ever see old rampage footage some yeah here and there like, there was if you look at there sometimes there's like pieces there's a lot of space between things and mm-hmm. there's not they had mini ramp in the corner that, that i learned pet grinds on opposite end was the vert ramp and in the middle was really nothing <laughs> it was just like like a quarter pipe with a big deck you could fly out and do tricks on i like my first tail up there wow i landed a tail up there that was pretty that was like pretty random that's so cool. So they didn't, they hadn't figured flow out yet. No, no, that didn't, I would say that wouldn't have came in until probably like, honestly, like the Wessel thing, like the Chenga, the idea of the rhythm. Yeah. The wooden the rhythm. Connect things. Man. Uh, so I don't know if I would fully say that, but it definitely became like the place has got to flow. It's got to be, you got to be able to connect places. Right. Well, I mean, just thinking about the origins of, you know, people hitting fly out dirt jumps just to a flat top and then evolving from that into what is trails and becomes a dirt jump. It's like, it sounds like it's a similar thing. I wonder if the timelines line up where as people start to figure out, oh, you can connect jumps together. Oh, maybe we can connect skate park stuff together. I would wholly, I would agree with that. I think like mid nineties, 95 is when I would say like trail thing really I mean, in my world, anyway, it took off. Yeah. I remember going down, we had Union Trail. Have you ever been to Union Trails? I haven't. The one time I was supposed to go there for a jam that they had, it the weather got bad and yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, there's, so my friend Al was, so these trails, those trails go back to the late 80s at least. No way. Are those the yeah. oldest trails? Yeah, they're pretty, I mean, they're old. Because I, I worked at this place called Rightway, which was the GT distributor of, like, East Coast, Northeast. Okay. And they were only, like, a few miles from there. And this this guy, Craig Bulis, he had a picture of him, of the trails, or him going around the one berm that's still there today. And I was like, where is that? What was that? And he, and he told me. And I was like, okay. So I went down there, and they were nothing like they are today. Right. It, nothing. It was like... Again, like the skate park from that era, it's the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. is it was 
Yeah, because they they hadn't seen Racer, or they hadn't seen Rhythm. And the Rhythm, I don't know when the invention of Rhythm happened, but um, I would say 95, I met my friend Al, and he had worked at, he was either, yeah, he was working at Rightway, I believe. And he had said, oh, they've been working on the trails. I was like, okay, all right. Well, I don't know what you're working on because I don't know. I don't. I didn't understand rhythm. <laughs> didn't know what trails were yet. Yeah. Yeah, and and I remember seeing something about sheep hills, or I think it was probably Todd Lyons going through rhythm or something, and then going to Union and seeing the the original set. That's the name of it, and it had like, I mean, each jump was maybe one to two feet, but it was rhythm. Yeah. No pedaling, and I remember being like, oh, this is different. No and way. Just, the trail bug just bit and you had a scene you had like a lot of local kids i my friend al was there all the time and some couple just dude richie from uh long island and just you know 7-eleven was going and and posh and push and so those are all like you know lore and people that was inspiring and you made your own trails and we dug and dug and dug and dug and then i think Exactly. Wessel wanted to create rhythm. Yeah. I think, didn't he do something at Woodward first? Or, I'm not positive. Or maybe it was Chango, but I don't know. Whatever. But either way, Wessel probably took that. That trails were so popular, and he was probably like, let's just make wooden rhythm. Yeah. And Chango just blew up because that's exactly what it was. And, and you're like, this is great. Dude, we just had a conversation at Ray's the other day about how had Wessel have been born in a like a couple years earlier or a couple years later, BMX might be completely different today. Yeah. And it was like, holy crap, that's kind of crazy because he's responsible for, you know, the wooden rhythm and what drew people to Changa and if it weren't for that, I mean, the flow would have still been here in Ohio. It's just, it's crazy the dot. I need to just talk to Wessel so that we could do that conversation. But it's like crazy to think about that. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't do it, not that it would have been done the same way. Maybe somebody else would have done it, but he did it and it like took over. Right. Because cause it was like, oh, everybody's got to have a wooden rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't realize that Union was there for that long. Yeah, it's crazy. I rode, I went to Lollapalooza with my friend Jason in 93, and then we went, came home the next day and rode, you know, rode those trails. Dude. I mean, it was a tabletop and a jump and whatever, but it was not, not what it was. But the trails, people riding bikes down there has been, I would say, late 80s. That's They've been amazing. There forever. That's, that's a, so amazing. That's over 30 years. Yeah, I mean, so my local trails started around 97 or a couple years before that because somebody was down there digging a dirt half pipe to skate in with a like a dirt board and then the guy who owns them now went down there and all his buddies saw it and they started digging down there and then just like you're saying i mean it just it was all downhill from there and i'm assuming they saw the magazines and saw people hitting dirt jumps and it wasn't yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, just people. I imagine the '80s kids wanted a racetrack, mm-hmm. and probably some dirt jumps in a way. But like, we didn't. Have, I don't know. The '80s didn't have landings. I guess so probably was just a one jump. And, I don't know. 
Uh, but then, yeah, it just kind of morphed, and every generation of kids have went down there because, uh, you know, it's like a place, knock on wood, it's a safe place to, to ultimately ride. Like, mm-hmm. And that's amazing. That I, It's cool to go down. I've, I've gone down there just secretly or, like, just been in the background and kind of walked through, and, like, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, people would probably know now if I walk through, cause but I think at the time I didn't – I couldn't really announce. I just kind of wanted to take it in. Yeah, watch like this generation of rider, like what they do and how they, how they build it and maintain it. And it's cool. Place is great. School. There's still a scene there. There's been a scene at these same Union Trails in Buffalo, New York, since the '80s. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I it blows my mind. I remember just seeing them be like, "Where are they? What is that?" Wow. And just yeah, it's definitely ever since like '90 four or five i don't know when i all exactly officially started building down there but you know shout out to that guy <laughs> yeah hell williams <laughs> wow so uh we're gonna go back to odyssey here because okay. kevin also sent me a picture of the letter that came with these pedals and okay and i'm just curious kind of the like the story behind the pedals themselves, you know, the idea behind them and all that kind of thing. Um, like, so Odyssey again was very receptive to yeah. ideas. And I think they would have, if it was a kooky idea or they, if they would have filled, if there was something wrong, they would have like, like called it out or said, no, that wouldn't work or whatever. But, um, I think what I, so I was Greg, Greg Wallace was at Primo and he was sending me Primo pedals and that was awesome. Um, and it's not that it didn't last. Um, but I was wondering, cause I was trying to like pedal grind, right? Like mm-hmm. Grind and pedal ice and crank slide and, and lucky grind. And it's like, there were metal pedals, right? They're metal pedals. It's not plastic. So you would grind and you would stick. Yeah, like the pins would grab onto something, and and you're like, oh, how the hell? Like, I would pull the pins out on one side or something like that, or the, eventually the pins would pop out, and you're like, all right, there has to be a better, has to be a better way, right? And obviously, being part of Odyssey, I was like, can we, can we do a pedal? Because they were doing like the Southgate pedal, which was like this, it was flat, I believe, or it had mm. very mellow concave, and so it was like, it was a little blocky and. And it was overweight, right? It was just kind of like, and it didn't lock into things very well. And I was like, can we, you know, like, can we, can we do something? I, I need a pedal that I can take the pins out easily, right? Mm-hmm. Take the pins out easily. Um, in actuality, it was supposed to have a grind plate on it. Oh, interesting. Right? Like the screws that stick up that your feet they would actually screw into a grind plate and hold it. And so the one side would be smooth and that side would be heavy or heavier. Mm-hmm. And so then you would always have the pin side up yeah. side would be lighter. And so that was the original idea. I almost lost you there. Oh. Um, that was the original idea, but um, we were doing it doing it. We're kind of playing with it. Like I remember the Christmas is always like a great time in my memory. Cause Chris would, Chris was from Rochester and he was living in California and he would, um, this is Chris from Odyssey. He mm-hmm. would 
go back for the holidays and you know all the spring drawings ah he's coming back to rochester and you're seeing yeah, him okay family, family and i would um you know i would look at how i say it um he would have drawings i saw the first 3d models of the drawing this is like on paper using mm-hmm. the 4z or something it was what he used and we had the plates and all that stuff and we're going through the ideas and um like things to solve like the spindles i think this yeah spindles on the primos would break because it tapers and it gets short in the end and it would break there so we had to solve that problem and like the pins like the pins came from underneath um so because if you screwed if you had a bolt like an allen key then screwed in from the top as soon as you grind it you would screw the head off uh-huh. never get them out so we did it from underneath and and we add like a concave and there was no middle pin. And so your coping would ultimately lock into that point was the idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we were talking about the plate idea and eventually it was just like, let's just not do it. It's just going to be a hassle. And, and it, if it was flat, it'd be perfect, but it was concave and just became a problem to make. Right. So just do it the regular way. And, and uh, yeah, so the pedals went crazy. It was amazing. So it's cool to hear that, I mean, the pedal spawned out of engineering the solution to a problem that you were having in your own riding. And so were were there other pedals out there that were, like, was that the first thing that really solved that problem out there? I think it was the first purposeful pedal towards grinding. Yeah. Like I wasn't I would say I was trying to solve a problem. I was trying to make tricks possible. Yeah. Right? And this idea that like all right I still want pins on it, but I want to be able to grind it in certain ways. Let's see how much drag we could reduce cuz again, like if imagine if you do a, like a lucky grind with a pin stick. Especially on like I can't do lucky grinds because of my pedals, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they like stick and then you go over the bars. Uh, it's not like a plastic pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was like how, I still want these things and the idea of using a plastic pedal wasn't wasn't acceptable or wasn't even like you didn't think it was possible at the time and so let's modify this this other pedal let's make it so we can grind and that's what I, I was like I want to do lucky grinds and I really want to do lucky grinds that was like to me like the coolest trick yeah oh there's such a rad trick yeah sure and just you would stick in wood and you would stick everywhere and you're just, it was so like you're like i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> just rolling like dice. all right let's pray and see what happens yeah and then i just i love that concept of it's not just like creating a part for the sake of oh jim's gonna have signature pedals now it's like he wants to ride a certain way and he wants a part that enables him to do that easier and better and that makes tricks possible yeah it's just awesome i think that's i mean the og pcs jcpcs those are still around today yeah. i think it's because of the fact that so much thought went into that those pedals and made them as good as they are yeah i think what's cool about those like yeah you, the more you tighten the pins, right? They like clamp down on how much the pin rot the pedal rotates. Oh, okay. So you could take all the pins out on one side, tighten it down, and it won't rotate. Yeah. 
and like so then you could take your feet off the pedals do tricks and your feet are your pedals are still upright yeah and you don't land on the slippery side huh so at what point did those the plastic version like how long had the metal ones existed um well the metal ones came out in say 2003 okay and i would say i think they had a long run i would say three to four years and then animal did their version of it with the hamilton pedal yeah right but then i think they did the plastic as well yeah they had a hamilton plastic pedal after which, that which really ushered in i know like i think i think the st louis guys were the first ones to use plastic pedals like they were using the odyssey ones mm-hmm. originally and then i think the hamilton ones but that didn't catch on right i think i think the hamilton ones when he was riding the plastic or they had the plastic that really you know lit the fire like because Corey martinez and nathan williams did like lucky 180 on cement and there's no way you could do that with 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 the metal pedal oh man i can imagine being a person riding and not knowing plastic pedals existed and seeing that and be like how did they do it yeah you're like what and like obviously a lot of wax maybe but mm-hmm. but like the, once the plant like they did 180 and then that made it like possible like right. people saw they're like oh plastic pedals that makes sense that that would slide and then it was like okay ultimately the the original pedal like was like all right this is not this is not it. And George French and Chris, um, all like can see, they could see like the J- JCPC, OGPC, right? The idea of like, cause we're trying to solve problems. Like the problem with the regular pedal with bearings is that again, when you take, if you take the pins all out on one side, it rotates mm-hmm. because the weights are different. Yeah. And it's not the side you want up. Um, so they, you know created this idea this this mechanism where it clamps or clamps right yeah um, it has no bearings right and no bearings and the spindle can be stronger That's... so yeah it's pretty wild it's a great it's, it's a base still going it's crazy to think about the fact that that the pedals being two halves is because they didn't want them to spin <laughs> yeah you know, when you look at them today, you're like, oh, it makes sense. You know, you replace the halves and you got you got new pedals again. And in reality, it's like, oh, no, we just didn't want them to spin. So they like, like they still spin. Right. It wasn't like those toy lock. But like, yeah. Yeah. I, it's another one of those things. It's just like, man, I never would have guessed that that is what the utility of that is. But it's a engineered solution to something in BMX. And it's so rad. Yeah, you're like, how do we solve this issue? And like, there's a traditional, you use bearings, and and can we can we get away from that? Yeah, it's a it's a cool thing where you like, like, can you ask yourself, like, can we do without this? Mm-hmm. And you never would have done it because you thought that was like a thing that you needed. And you say, well, let's see, is there a way to do it without it? That's, yeah. I mean, that's engineering at its finest. Yeah, you those s- guys are great. Like George is George French is an engineer, so yeah. Before we stop talking about 
the OG, like the metal ones. I got to shout out Matt because Matt is like obsessed with those. Matt O'Connell from Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I obsession. was so amazed. I was like, oh my God, you're riding these? That's great. I got a set of the guacamole ones. I meant to get them out. Really? So I could, yeah, I rode them. <laughs> I, I had them on my bike. I just, I wanted those pedals. But uh, have you seen the stuff that Zach Gerber has done? With 3D printing and making like grind sides to those and making yeah. them thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. It, it, that's another one of those engineering things and just making, taking what was there and looking at the utility of it and just like DIYing it to what suits their needs. Yeah, I think that's what's beautiful about BMX. Yeah, they're like maybe like that lower cost, like the, the prices aren't that high that it still introduces allows people to DIY stuff, mm-hmm. you know, to make a, make a solution. Yeah. Whereas if it was like millions of dollars. Like if it was a frame was $10,000, you'd be like, people could spend a lot of money and you might not compete. But with Zach doing that is literally like what it was like in the nineties when mm-hmm. like, I don't have the part I need. I got, I got to make it. I think that's like how King started. It started, it started making like axles. Like huh. people don't, I mean, most people these days probably don't realize your axles would break. Yeah. Like the bolts were wrong. They were just like, they were tiny axles and you would, they wouldn't stand up. The dropouts were weak and they would snap your axles all the time and you can never get good ones. And Zach, well, I think with the help of Jimmy Rathbun, um, ultimately they made preheated axles or, or you treat it or yeah, blanketing. Yeah. Made he it he treated axles. Well, I'm pressure treated. It's not lumber. <laughs> but it's okay. He treated axles, and it just kind of started from there. Yeah. And that's the same kind of move. Yeah, I, I've seen like the stuff that Zach's got going on with that 3D printing, and just talking about it. It's like that is the future of making things in that you just literally make it right in front of you rather than oh if we're going to do this pedal yeah like rapid prototyping existed before but now this is like mega rapid prototyping already in your office if you have somebody who can do it you've got a testable product today yeah yeah i think george did some parts for odyssey like we did some i think it was like a sprocket car what was that we did something like and it blew up. This was ten years ago or more, mm-hmm. but it, it did not last. How was that sprocket car? I don't know. He did something like three printed and definitely didn't work. But obviously, times have changed a lot. Yeah. So three D printing is far better. Yeah. Imagine three D print a bike or or your parts or your shoes, right? Like yeah, and make it and you. Yeah, you just make it yourself. You're not buying a shoe anymore. You're buying or buying something. I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, Zach fully believes that's like the future where people are just going to have 3D printers in their house. And when they need something, they're just going to get the file from online and print it. And now they have it. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And uh, just to put a cap on that, too, is like the, the future possibilities of that for companies is like people could pay a like a i don't know if it's a subscription or they see a a company has a design and they put it out there like oh we could put out the file for this and sell it to people to be able to print their stuff at home and i don't know it's just cool yeah maybe you you buy the upgrades and stuff like that yeah exactly 
license the new version. Maybe it's a, maybe it's like an app. You gotta, you their uh, purchase. What do they call it? An app, app purchase. Yeah. This right stuff like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just a cool thing to think about. Um, but where this leads me in the conversation, because I feel like I mean, sometime at this point, Sunday starts to come into this conversation time wise. Yeah, Sunday was 2005. Um, it was actually Christmas 2004. Okay. I, again, like I, I talk about these trips to Rochester to visit Chris. Uh, and <clears throat> we met at Starbucks on Monroe Ave. I think it's Monroe Ave. Okay. And so we just kind of talking and talking and just kind of expressed, you know, maybe frustrations with kink at the time uh maybe just the limitations of what's possible and mm. and also again like you know they just had far more access to machining and and equipment than like kink did oh, yeah and um and so it was like oh well we could do this and like and it wasn't even i was just like we just kind of kind of came up the idea why don't could we do a bike company but like Obviously, I'd have to leave kink. That's that's fine, whatever. Um, and it was just like, oh, wait a minute. All right, let's, let's see if we can do it. And literally, like, four months later, we had, we, so that was December 2004. And then April 1st, whatever you do, do not start a bike company and launch it on April 1st. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Nobody will believe you. Seven days. Um yeah, so, yeah, we, but we didn't announce, we didn't have the frame. We didn't, we just had bars and forks, which were ultimately modified. Morning forks were like modified, you know, uh, the race forks or the Odyssey forks. And then mm. the bars were like, we did basically like slam rip off the eight inch bar. And then we did like two other bars because bars were real short at the time. Okay. Um, and then I don't know, I think we had the prototype frame by the summer. Or summer or fall. Okay. So so what was your like official role in all of that? I was like I wore many hats in a way. Like I was like I don't know what I was like. Um I was a writer, I was uh, like a head of it or like the figurehead mm -hmm. in a sense. Um I was I was doing sales in the beginning. I was doing because there was like the separation of Sunday from from Odyssey because there was this this fear, right? Because Odyssey is a parts company and they have they have a team full of riders that have frame company sponsors. Yeah. And ultimately, does a fr another frame company want to promote or do, do they want their rider on Odyssey to promote? Ultimately, that they sort of promote Sunday mm -hmm. they to promote a competitor. And so there was the separation of Sunday and Odyssey. Um, and so I was doing international sales and sales and, and some design, um, George and Chris and everyone did the frames all together. Um, uh, what else? And just team stuff. And then ultimately I moved to Austin in 2009 to do it like full time. Yeah. I was doing it from Buffalo. Um, Odyssey was moving their, their, uh, design per se to Austin 
uh, the design side. So Chris and then Ben Ward was there at the time. Uh, then they moved to Austin. I moved to Austin and then was going to basically do Sunday kind of full time. Like I had, a, I had a retail store at the time. Mm-hmm. I left, sold that in 2008. And then, um, yeah, I moved to Austin and then went full time. And it really like, it's just doing so many pieces to it. Yeah. <laughs> like shooting videos and filming and editing and website and, you know, like the uh, Shopify accounts and managing uh-huh. tours and, and picking team riders and, Oh my God. Yeah. So just wait. <laughs> I mean, when any, at the beginning of anything like that, I feel like the people, there can only be a few people usually involved and those few people are wearing all the hats. Yeah. 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 And you know, you're like, it's tough and not easy. So, yeah. So at that point, I mean, what was kind of the inspiration for the first frame? Like, was it another of those engineering things where you guys were trying to accomplish something or? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, they had seen problems that they were like, because uh, they're a parts company. They weren't making frames. They're like, oh, we know we can do this better. We can do, like, like a simple thing. Like, so the Euro bottom bracket went out, okay. right? Because ultimately people can't figure out how to screw things in. (laughs) Yeah. And it's fair. It's fair. They don't, you know, but ultimately like FBM and S and M, I'm pretty sure those two were like, there was like a big meeting at one of the trade shows in, in, um, in Binghamton, like FBM was doing their own interbike trade show. And I think there was a big meeting there about the bottom bracket, Mm. but what are we going to do? How are we going to standardize it? And ultimately then there was the American bottom bracket and the Spanish bottom bracket competing yeah and i think all the american companies went you know american bought a bracket and or they went american they just took the bearings to do the press fit yeah so that had taken over but what happens is when you when you weld the frame your tube that was originally round now is oval yep right and so our frames you actually went and i still do it today i believe um they went back in after it was welded and yep. brained it out, right? So it's perfectly round and you can get it in. Um, we did like angled brake bounce. So we do. We did like we had our own design budding in the tubes. Mm. Like, like here's the drawings that we want. Yeah. Uh, so we do. Oh, the, the hollow dropouts. Like nobody had done hollow dropouts at that point. Really? That was yeah. that early. Oh yeah, two thousand five or two thousand six is when the first frame came out. I would say, but yeah, the, like I'm, I think Clay Dog Bikes has the purple frames. Um, but yeah, those are the original prototypes with the hollow dropouts. Those are the first hollow dropouts. That's that's pretty cool. So, when did waved tubing become a thing? Was it in the first one too? No, they that was not in the first. It was the next year. Okay. So, the the. We had shrunk the kept everything except for I think we shrunk the size of the down tubes or the down tube and top tubes because they were a little bigger. Yeah. Right, and then added the wave tubing because you can kind of you don't need the size as much anymore. Now you could add the waves and that adds the rigidity. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out. We only did it on the down tube. We didn't do top tube at that point. That was a few years later. Uh, so that was like we launched that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We launched that with Ian's frame. Oh, okay. 
his frame with the you know the, the pivot post in that first. A lot of this is going back, so I'm hopefully I'm remembering, remembering <laughs> correctly. But launched it with his white frame. Okay. Um, with that, and then released the second wave. First wave? Oh shit! Sorry, I got it all mixed up. It was the new wave, which was called the first wave, and that was the wow. I'm off. Sorry, I apparently battling COVID. I was telling you earlier. Yeah, no, it's... battling brain fog from it, but this is a long time ago. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but we had it was the toothpaste, the oh my god, the latte and the creamsicle. That was the first wave frame, and then we did the second wave with Ian's frame. So. Yeah, that the wave tubing. I mean, I'm a fan of that. I've been riding the sound wave for seven years. So. Yeah, you've been riding for a while on them. Yeah, it's just I mean, I wholeheartedly have ridden that frame because I feel like it's one of the strongest frames you can get out there. But have you noticed denting at all, or what? A, like I've put a couple dents in it, but it's the kind of thing where had I not had the wave tubing, it would have been like probably new frame kind of deal yeah because that's it like, that was the thing like imagine like you spend all your money on the frame and and then all of a sudden you put a dent in it and then ultimately it cracks and you're like oh. yeah and it's like you just spent a lot of money you want it to last right it, it's it's pretty sweet to hear that you guys were just i mean it feels like every decision is fueled by a need for something yeah i would say yeah i mean obviously like technology and features kind of runs out at that times yeah you run up against the wall of like limitations of of funding and and even like bmx like uh style or what they want you think about like i i still love like the elementary stem mm-hmm. i have right? one of those yeah yeah i love like i once i got it figured out it was perfect mm-hmm. you know you got to grease all the bolts i used to be able to travel well with it and all that stuff and it kind of taught me to like, you know, not worry about bar position. I used uh, to be this like analytic or just be like, Oh, it's kind of the perfect spot. It <laughs> kind of like throw me off mentally. But with that, it was just like, I'll figure it out. I can deal with it. And that was a cool thing to get over. Um, funny. But then ultimately bars went up and, and you wanted like the stem to raise it up. So it was like, we've been back to this, like not archaic model, but it's like, the simplest basic just clamp it down mm-hmm. model has been going forever which had that may just be the thing that works but yeah yeah i mean odyssey's definitely tried a lot of different things i mean there was the one stem that hinged oh that was that was a cool stem i That's like a that cool concept for sure i love that one that was like the lincoln stem i think yeah yeah lincoln it was like a little shorter i need a little longer but yeah yeah so, i like that. So where does the Model C fit into all of this? Like, how does it, how did it arise? Or... Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. That, well, that that comes from probably Ben Ward. Okay. Um, I remember going into the office and Chris, like, Chris, like, obviously Odyssey or Sunday, like, they allowed it to happen, but I, I feel like Ben was pushing it. Mm. And... Ben, ben knows what's up. He's yeah. he's a ton of like great ideas and all that stuff. So it's just like our our old, and it made sense because up until that point, there had never been like a quote unquote freestyle twenty four. Mm-hmm. You think you think of these twenty fours and they're like 
race ones, long back end, the bars are really slammed. Like, right. It looks nothing like, and the bottom bracket's low, like nothing like a, uh, like a freestyle bike. Mm-hmm. Like nothing like that. And, but you haven't seen it the other way. Yeah. And so we, they had a made and put them together right after Interbike the one year. And it was like, it was just sort of like novelty of like, oh, well, can you do this on it? Can you do this? Because it was so new and so foreign. Mm-hmm. Not, it wasn't foreign at all because every trick worked. Yeah. Like, like we we went to, I forgot, he was like a real estate agent in L.A. And he had this like six foot mini in his backyard. And we just rode that for hours. Like, oh, let's, what about this? What about that? What about this? And just kind of going down the list of what what's possible, right? Yeah, and most things were, I'm sure. Yeah, like everything is possible. And that's what you're riding now. Well, does it have a diff- I know about the frame. Does it have a I don't you don't have to say what anything can be said. Does it have a different name? I can't Not remember. I know of, but Okay. Well, maybe it does. But I they haven't told me. So. Either way, you you've <laughs> no, been on It says What does it say? No, it says bottle C on it, doesn't it? I don't know. I just I know look in the basement the concept <laughs> uh but how long have you ridden the 24 i literally from 2008 when i first we first got them i've been riding like i have to go back and forth between the i had to go back and forth between the 20 and the 24 mm-hmm. because some people like bobby parker i don't know if he can still do it today but he used to be able to go switch ride the 20 and then two minutes later ride the 24 and be totally comfortable on it and like i couldn't do that yeah so you would see me ride one or the other um for extended periods of time like six months on this and uh-huh. 26 months on that and kind of go back and forth whenever i felt like uh, i had a new idea right and a trick idea like oh, all right let me get back on the 20 and 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 work on it that and then, then probably since 2014 i've always been on it now probably like 2015 or 2016 then i've been on the 24 it's just because i don't have a 20 oh okay yeah i just moved too many times and and you know i had a friend who broke his bike and was just like all right this bike this this bike needs somebody to ride it so (laughs) you get it you take it Huh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you seem perfectly content and comfortable on the twenty four. Anytime you post something, yeah, it's fun and like, like I like to run, um, and I just don't like being injured after, you know, a long time of bike running and mm-hmm. being fine with like limping. Then I'm just like, ah. but the, the beauty of the twenty four is it's just more stable in the air. Oh, okay. Yeah, more stable and like, I always talk about this idea of like it was the rationalization of the 24 when it first came out. It's like, you know how, like you learn to air a quarter pipe. Now, can I air a bigger quarter pipe? Mm-hmm. How about a bigger one? How about a tighter one? How about a, like how one with the corner and one with it, you know? Yep. And we, but we never changed the bike. And the 24 is literally a 20. It's just bigger. Yeah. So I've ridden generally mostly everything. So like, why don't I change the bike and see what that does? So it's this, like, do you ever listen to Andrew Huberman? I I know who he is. I've heard some stuff, but I haven't listened to a lot. His podcast, or he's on the Nine Club. 
he does a episode with those guys. Oh, I think I might watch part of that. And he talks about this like, and it makes complete sense. He talks about this like the levels of mastery. Mm, yeah. Where, like the, there's four steps, and the first three is like you know beginner, expert, master, and each one of those is those three steps. You're trying to like get rid of the unknown, or and just try to reduce it. So you have it like perfectly dialed and, and, and that, but like the fourth step, it's like the Mark Gonzalez of skateboarding, mm-hmm. like this idea of like, now you want to introduce unknowns. Mm. I'm using the under unknown is not the right word. You, you want to uncertainty is the right word. You want to bring in uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then you become, it's like virtuosity. And then you, now that I'm a master, but I think I like, achieved all I feel like I could do. Yeah. So now it's like, well, what else? Like, why don't I see if I could do it like this? Just changing it up. Like, cause I obviously can't compete with what's going on today. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things are crazy. Yeah. I had a funny, the, the moment I realized that I was probably at the end was when, uh, I'd go riding. I was on like a, Tennessee trip with Garrett Reeves and Eric Lichtenberger and they were like plotting some like those two together would plot out these moves I was just like that scares the shit out of me <laughs> okay I guess I'm probably done here that's <laughs> funny I was like damn this this the level they're on alright well I guess I'm not on that level anymore but it was pretty awesome to be like alright I guess the torch has passed the generations of <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like everybody has that moment of realization. Yeah, but you're young. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've had that moment yet. Oh, okay. I, I hope ahead, not. <laughs> I've had a realization of like, I no longer care about trying to jump box jumps to flat anymore. That's fair. That's a, that's a good that's a good realization. But like, <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, but you got your own angle and like this this. Not niche, but you you kind of have you probably have a whole bunch of tricks that you haven't been able to do yet that you you're like working towards. There's a couple that yeah. I the there's one this summer that I put four days straight of sessions into where I tried nothing but that trick and only got like within I should have pulled it almost pulled it one time. Okay, what did you what do you how did you rationalize like? All right, I'll come back to it when I figure out some new move or some new element. Or... It was more or less. It was like, man, I'm tired of only doing this one thing every time I ride because I'm pretty obsessive when it comes to tricks, mm-hmm. and and so it was like easy for me to just set the camera up and try the same exact thing for four hours straight. Then the next day, four hours. Then three days after that, four more hours, and and then it finally just got to a point where I was like dude, I'm, I'm just done trying this for my entire session. I'm going to do something else. And three months from now, I'll try it again. And hopefully it just happens. You'd be surprised. Like you probably processed it. Like the Huberman podcast or the nine club. He talks about that too. Like, like this going after it over and over and over again. Like if you give yourself a little time, you'd be surprised. Like your body, your mind works it out. Oh dude, I am a full Mm -hmm. believer and I don't know if I hope you relate to this. I hope somebody else relates to this, but 
myself and Sponge are both the kind of people that will try a trick and then we won't try it again for six months, two years. Then we try it again and literally land yeah. it first try. Yeah. Having never landed it before, didn't even get close the first time, but then years or a certain time of time pass, you just do it the very first time you try it. And that's happened to me and him so many it, times. Do you think it's the idea of like, you've done so many other things that that either you raise your skill level or, or, or do you process it? Like when you first tried, you're like, ah, oh, that's impossible. Or it felt impossible, but years later or whatever the time frame is, you've already learned a bunch about it. And it's not as menacing. I don't know. Because just, well, I'll just try it. Let's see what happens. And all of a sudden you do it. I think it's partially that. It's also partially that, you know, you tried it already once before. So you kind of understand the motion of it. Yeah. And then it, it goes from being this thing of, oh, it's this totally new thing that I've never tried before. I don't know if it'll work or not to, oh, yeah, we'll just see if this works this one random time. And then, oh, my, it, it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you already, like, I always remember, like, when I was, like, really trying to trick, it was not so much, like, to. it was never so much to, I obviously I wanted to do the trick, mm -hmm. but. You know, in those 50 tries, it was trying to understand it so I could replicate it at a later date. Mm, yeah. Like, if you could solve it and understand, oh, the, the trick is this. Yep. Once you figure out that trick, or the trick of the trick, right, then you, like, oh, okay, now I can come back because I know what the trick is. I'll yep. always remember the trick. It just takes a few tries to figure it out, to try it again. Yep, and I I love to break things down that way, and and you can feel yourself, and once you recognize it, you search for that moment of what you're talking about, of where you realize a certain body movement that you have to do in the trick. Just using like an ice pick to over on a spine, for example, like yeah. you feel your shoulder drop, and you realize what you do, and until you have that aha moment, you have no idea. And then you realize, oh, I move my body this way and the trick does this and then it works. And then you can just, you got yeah. it. When I was doing the ice pick to fakie over the summer, I remember seeing like the first time I did it, obviously watching Joe Rich do it. Mm -hmm. um, there's this like where you land and the, the frame, like actually like the, you come up, you land and it kind of rotates just a little more. And then it, the pressure kind of brings it back mm -hmm. and then you go in. And I was like, that was the trick. Yep. I knew I had to land and go, but it didn't quite work. But I just, I was like, all you gotta do is let's get it to pivot and then wait, wait. And as it starts to come back, use that momentum to do it. Yep. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that was the way it was with like Ice 270s when I watched Drew Bazanson's how to video and he kind of explains that exact thing of you get to that point and then you pivot and you bring it back. Yeah. Uh, so, is let's try to is is there a way that that relates because i mean you've done a lot of progressive rail tricks like is does it relate in that at all or like like how are you coming up or how did you come up with these things i'm gonna keep coming back to the huberman thing <laughs> um in his most recent podcast he talks about it's about creativity right mm -hmm. and 
I, you know, uh, so here's this. I grew up a fan of Kevin Jones, Chase Quinn, uh, Marky and Plywood Hoods and all that. And those guys were like hyper creative. Yeah. Right. So that, and like Matt Hoffman and Miron, like, like they always had tricks. They always had new stuff. And that was like BMX, right? That was like, you're always pushing the boundaries. So in my head, it was always about like, what's new, what's next, what's mm-hmm. like, like, what could you do? And, um, I was way into snowboarding at one point. I grew up skateboarding and I live with skaters and, and so taking all those elements kind of, you know, it's funny, like my hometown of Chitawag, New York has no handrails. Oh, nice. Right. Like to be a handrail guy, no handrails in their hometown. I don't, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Right. But I think it was just finding an angle like, mm-hmm. like, Oh, no one's doing this. I mean, I could, this is, this is an area where I could like, there was like room to create tricks. Yeah. In a sense. And, um, uh, but there was a period of time. I think the most creative was like that 2000, 2000, 2001, like Ryan show stayed in my house. I, 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 I was, I used to like go to sleep. I mean, instead of sleeping for the first two hours, I would just kind of let my mind wander. Mm. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a judgment thing and just let whatever idea comes in. I would just be so wired. <laughs> and so I couldn't sleep, but I definitely was like kind of come up with ideas from there. I think that's called meditating. Yeah. It's they, they cause you've been talking about like divergent and convergent thinking. Mm. It's, it's divergent thinking because you're like, your eyes are shut. It's like open something meditation, but yeah, it's let, letting everything come in. Yeah, and you just take, things. you take your thoughts as they come and, and let them and, go as they go. Yeah, but you're letting, it's not so much quite like that, but you're, you're just not judging anything. You're listening, taking them in, mm-hmm. but not judging so that new ideas can, can be created. And like, it's like, you know how like there's an idea for anything. Like the first idea is never the best. So you got to get through those, mm-hmm. those bad ideas. And then the good ideas come and that's sort of like that, that kind of same concept. Um, one of my favorite moves was like, you'd go to a spot and say, all right, what is the obvious trick you can do here? Yeah. Now, what is the complete opposite of that here? Yeah. And make you look around you're like, all right, well, wait a minute. What about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a neat like exercise to do. Yeah. So, so when it comes to those progressive rail tricks, you were consciously, you made a realization that like there's an area in BMX that it has room for new things to happen. And did you just like focus and take that time to put it, your energy towards that area or? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because you know what? I didn't have sub boxes. I didn't have mini ramps. I didn't have like, like, giant wall rides i didn't we didn't have skate parks here like we didn't get a skate park till like 96 mm-hmm. and that was really bad <laughs> and like just didn't there's a lot of stuff we didn't have so like anything you're like all right this is what i do have mm-hmm. we had like like buffalo and rochester have like the flat rails on the ground oh, okay and so you could play with them and like kind of figure oh this is gonna work or this is not gonna work and and figure out ideas before you take it's like basically like a skate park rail at on the ground yeah you can figure them out there before you take them onto a real rail 
Yeah, so so you were just doing all kinds of new stuff and figuring things out and then taking them to different rails. Yeah, 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 basically, yeah. It's just kind of like, because we would go to Chenga all the time, like mm-hmm. that 2000, 2001, and just they had some rails there and and just like, man, you're like, all right, let's 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 see what you could do. Or let's see if these tricks are possible. That's that's cool. And <clears throat> something that uh, one of the people I talked to about this named Kurt Rowell, he brought up uh, switching your feet. And I was kind of curious in that. Was it something that you were doing by choice in like, oh, I'm going to switch my feet and then do tricks? Or was it, oh, I have to switch my feet for this trick idea to work? I only had one trick where I had to switch my feet for it to work. And that was like doing downside pedal grinds, but with the front foot. So I would turn, I I normally turn like counterclockwise, right? Mm -hmm. And so to do downside double peg grind, you would, and I only had pegs on one side, right? On the yeah. right side. So you'd have to go opposite. Yeah. Downside. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Can I, I was way into the pedal game. And so could I carve my normal way and then switch my feet so my left foot is forward and downside pedal ground like that? Oh, I could see how it would make way more sense to do it with your left foot forward than your right foot or then your left foot back going left at it you get that push you could pop out of it a little easier yep where Uh, where if it's back you don't really have any kind of push it's just awkward yeah yeah exactly exactly so that was the only one i ever switched my feet on purpose well for purposely to do a trick yeah and then um like there was a period of time where we were kind of debating like okay switch footed opposite like like is it an actual trick to do with your feet switched? Mm-hmm. Right. And there was like, I think parts video or kink video. I forget which one wasted days where I do. There, there's a rail on the opposite side of the Brooklyn banks where I like ride up and I switch my feet at the camera and then hop on the rail. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's almost like doing a goofy footed rail. Yeah. And so it was like my normal side, but the feet's, switched i don't think i did too much with it beyond that because we were all like wait is it a trick is it different is it better is it like what is it like you ever do the 180 challenge you probably did that right what do you mean like 180 regular 180 opposite switch your feet 180 regular switch opposite i mean i'm sure i've messed around with doing that kind of stuff but i'm, I'm a weirdo i used to like and even at the trails, sometimes I'll hit a jump, then switch my feet, then hit the next one, wrong foot forward, then switch my feet and just change yeah. through the whole set. Where it's just so that, that's awesome because it like helps you understand your bike. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. How awkward it is when it helps the feet at oh, first. Yeah. But once you do it enough, you're like, okay, I could do it. And I'm a I'm also a big weirdo in that I learned crank flips with my wrong foot forward, so ah, I, I have that, to switch. That's cool. I remember trying to switch crank flips. But I would only just do a half flip. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so thinking back on it, what were some of like your favorite mo- rail moves that you did back in the day? Um, or was there a f- really one that like stands out? Mm. Probably just crank slides because I think that's like the most 
odd, like sideways, like it's not a position. I only like counted. Tri- I only wanted a trick you could hold. Yeah. Right. Like it only. I remember talking about like head tube grinds and all that stuff. Mm. The idea that you couldn't balance on the head tube very well. If I, I, I would love to see someone do it, mm-hmm. hold it and stuff. But I was like, oh, that's not. I don't. I don't count that. Uh, so crank slides, you can. You can just lock in. It's, it's surprising that it works. Oh yeah. Board slide, most like snowboard, skateboard. Like, I think it's just such a weird, interesting, interesting move. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, go ahead. I was say that's that's probably the favorite. Um, just because it is feels so good. <laughs> and when you see like where people, Ethan Courier, for example, and like, yeah. people like him have taken them is just yeah. wild. They lock in so well, and it's just literally he hits like a curved rail doing one. It's just crazy. Yeah. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah. So- uh, so Charlie wanted me to mention kick flipping the UB South Campus Black Rail. Yeah, that's the ender of wasted days. Kickflip the old peg on it. Yeah, that was like I, I'm gonna. I think it's the first one, uh, first one, um, done. I feel like Neil Harrington probably not too far, if not right around that time. Um, but that that rail is like, it's really steep, really a skinny rail. But man, it did not stick. It had like. And it was just fast. And that was like, it was low. Obviously, when you got a steep rail, it's going to be low. Um, just, I cannot believe it worked. I'm glad it, I, this is the only time I ever did that trick on a real rail. <laughs> did that, it once. I was like, all right, I'm going. That's so funny because his follow-up text to that says, best rails ever. There, <laughs> <laughs> you, you could just section. You're like, all right, I can just practice like, Overgrind, 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 overgrind. Like hanger, because it's so steep. Doing a hanger is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, like overpedaled it, overpedal ice it. And... I don't remember what else, but yeah, it was such a good rail. That's awesome. Uh, did you have kind of a, even still to this day, do you have a different approach to something that's like super technical, like a. I mean, actually, I would say at the time, the first crank flip to grind ever would be burly and technical at the same time. But if something was just super technical versus something that's more burly, is there a difference in thought process or approach to it for you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was all scared of rails. Let's just say that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm very, a very... I had a, like a, a method, right? I'd have to do it at a skate park first. Yeah. Before I would do it on a real rail. Like just, that's the way my confidence works. I have to get all these steps down and then go do it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it like doing earlier stuff was, was until far later in my career in the sense of like, all right. I just felt like, you know, you ever get, you're like, all right, I'm really, I can do this. Um, that was until later, I think. Yeah, because it's that that technical stuff, like especially if you're not sure if it's been done, or or especially for yourself, and like it is knowing what if it's if it's been done, then you know it's possible. But obviously, 
like it hasn't been done, then there's that element of like, is it possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of dealing with that, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Does that help your question? Does that answer your question? I don't know. It's just a talking <laughs> point of like asking and wondering if there's any kind of difference to looking at something where it's like a really technical rail trick versus something that's more yeah, so okay. burly. I would say this, like for the burly stuff, um, it is this idea that like, I always tell people like, especially the idea of like, you don't jump down 20 stairs if you haven't done 15. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. you kind of build your special meter up and same like, early like like if i haven't been doing rails for a while then you're probably not going to start with the biggest one i mean it may work yeah they fall back on your experience and your and your techniques but i don't know that wasn't me i feel like what you're describing there is it the recipe for longevity too yeah yeah the idea of self (laughs) save yourself like yeah you just kind of warm yourself up to things rather than going full send at the biggest thing ever not really have an idea of not i've never done this before yeah self-preservations you know i I came through being i finished my career without breaking a bone and wow yeah no no ligament damage no like acls or anything so that's that's pretty awesome considering the fact that you know a rail is a pretty like if you mess up on a rail trick you never know how you might fall yeah (laughs) yeah i think i always did this thing where like all right you you um it's not it's like like you're about to do a trick and 100 percent of the trick is this Mm. but you know what if you've already done 80 percent of it then it's only this little bit you got to figure out. Yeah. Knowing you just target that, then, you know, and obviously you're never going to get that full 20% until you try the trick. Yeah. But you try to trick and be like, oh, I got it now. I can do it. Yep. I I approach things in a very similar way where I break it down. You know, if, if, if talking about an air trick, if you've done it an X up and you've done a one footer, you can do an X up one footer just by kind of, doing this similar thing or I can't even think of another example that combines two things like that but have that similar approach of like okay I've done everything that makes this trick up somewhere else it's so the band home and I tail whip I could tail whip and I can tail whip, or I can do the gap so I can tail whip right yeah tail whip the gap <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's totally a normal mindset on something like that <laughs> yeah i guess if i was seeing that you're like all right i guess all right that's the logic all right that makes sense but that was that was a great moment obviously you weren't riding at that point but it was like it's the most ridiculous logic ever mm-hmm. but he did it over the most ridiculous thing so anything smaller than that makes sense right yeah it's pretty funny yeah uh so I'm going to shift gears a little bit to a different thing because I'm pretty sure I remember you telling me that you rode at the first warp tour. Yeah. 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 There was, um, they had the first warp tour. They obviously was a tour and there was one here at, uh, whatever the, in North Tonawanda. And it was like, 
that we just they had like random ramps like mm-hmm. white i have some photos all right my battery is low um as a random photos i may have to find the charger here okay we're going um, on an adventure yeah let's see let's see if we can find a charger is this one all right this will work perfect i think this will work. i gotta figure out how to plug it in no worries it's, i i love the adventure of it we do these <laughs> live and they're real <laughs> is over there it's it's not doing so great my cat loves it <laughs> um the daily phoebes yeah the daily phoebes might just stand over here that's funny yeah I'm trying to find some light no worries man uh we adapt and overcome even dead batteries but so how did you did somebody approach you for the first warp tour or like uh, how's that happen no it you know it was like a local thing like um i think that's my target uh trust oh hold on let's see no worries maybe i know i don't know if i'm charging uh you can you can get out of the thing and see it it'll okay. just turn uh, the video off for a second all right one second yep all right i am in charging my bad and we're back okay anyways uh well the warp tour is like the way way it worked was um i think it was sponsored by volcom okay the and my friend he was one of the first reps for him like i was way to snowboarding at the time the warp tour happened it would have been, uh, it actually would have been summer 95, I believe. Okay. But, um, I'm staying on the dark here. You're good. Um, so my friend was a rep and he do them and he got us all in. So it was like all, I think every tour had some sort of local element to it. Oh, nice. And so we just, it was like me and my friends skating. And then obviously like, or they were skating, I was riding and, um, yeah, it was just a lot of local friends. <laughs> but then there was, like, all I can remember was, like, Remy Stratton on the bird ramp. And I don't remember who was, like, Skating Street. But they had some of the pros, but then they had the local element that always comes in and, and skates, too. That's really cool. So it was a cool experience being there. Really? Yeah, for sure. It was just, again, all my friends. And, like, I, like, did a decade over one of the, the hips or something. Like, decade jump over and, like, tail up the – yeah, like – it's 95 you're really not doing too many great tricks but a decade over a little <laughs> hip sounds pretty great like... yeah that was but that was that was like one of the tricks i could do it was weird yeah Jay, right jay moran did the boomerang errors and and was like okay you could do that are you yeah. like it's possible and you're like all right i could do it that's so sick uh were, so were you into the any of the kind of music that was there already or are you just there you know, I was so enamored with the bike that I didn't even go see any of the bands. Ha, that's, that's BMX right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's so much, sick. That's pretty much it. You're like, I'm just going to ride. We got ramps. I am going to ride for six hours straight or more. <laughs> that's amazing. Water? I don't remember drinking water. <laughs> oh, dude. Before I consciously started like, making myself drink water, I'd just go entire sessions without drinking any water. Yeah, yeah, right? You're just like, oh, that's crazy. But Oops. now, 
go 20 minutes and I got to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Charlie's rapid fire things here. Okay. First one, La Divina or Ranchos? Oof. Uh, what so are these? <laughs> two restaurants. One, La, La Divina is really close to me. And Ranchos is, I'm going to give to La Divina, where Ranchos is fine. It's just very basic Mexican. It's very classic family, basic Mexican, which is which is fine. And La Divina is that basic Mexican, but they just have that, like, you know, uh, What's the, the district in L.A. with the or in San Francisco with the burritos? and I'm not sure. Whatever that district. It's kind of like that style, but more just tacos and a little bit. I would give it that. Okay. Okay. So then the other one was, ask if he can give a rating out of five stars to the steak sandwich at The Pink. <laughs> I cannot. I've never eaten one. Oh, my goodness. Charlie, what are you doing with these questions? Yeah, know me. I haven't even. <laughs> Jeez. I, Red meats since like 1992. See, <laughs> I thought that, and and when he was asking those things, I was like, I feel like I used I used to get the chicken sandwich. That's funny. You just slather barbecue sauce on it, and you're you're basically. Have you ever been to the Pink? No. The so the Pink is the dive bar, the classic dive bar of dive bars. Okay. Like, it's just literally where you would go at like midnight, and it's just kind of like dive bar melting pot you kind of get this like had the best music the djs are great had a really good pool table that was looked like a pile of garbage but it was it was fun to play on and you would get you would get kooks to come play and you would get good people and you had this like hazard of this like phone booth Mm -hmm. that always would get screwed with but then for some reason they have food there you would never think you could eat there um Hmm. Steak sandwiches, one of them. Um, but then I would used to get the chicken sandwich, and just slather it with barbecue sauce. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. But <laughs> nice. Burger with spike, and I have to leap. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what else did Charlie got? Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Uh, I had one more on. Questions. What's that? I figured Charlie would have more questions. Actually, wait a second. You'd be like, when are you gonna come ride with us? Come out uh, Tuesday. I'm gonna. We're gonna be riding. Maybe. This Tuesday. He's not this Tuesday, the Tuesday after Christmas. Okay. He brought up how maybe Columbus. I may be in Columbus. Oh, so we're trading places. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you'll be here on Tuesday? Potentially, yeah. Okay. As long as the weather's not crap. Yeah, we'll talk to the girlfriend, see what happens. But she's watching us. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, Matt actually just texted me with a couple of things. So, yeah, why not? He said jumping over the diving board at the Shoshone. Is that how you say yeah. that? Shoshone, yeah. Shoshone pool and then the flare in Bob Edson's garage. He just brought, <laughs> he just said those two things. So, Shoshone pool, I don't know. It's this giant pool. It's a city pool that um, I think it's been skated forever. Yeah. But I didn't really come of under find out existence until like 2020 and it's like 60 foot wide head wall that has like this lumpy like this lumpy and then it turns into fur like it's smooth but not smooth it's not a quarter pipe it's not perfect mm-hmm. but um it was i never played with that wall because if you're looking into the deep end the left side had 
perfect vert wall esque transition. Yeah. Like you could air it. Like I could air it. So imagine what like Fast and Loose crew could do on this thing. They would go ten feet out of this thing. Oh boy. It would be amazing. It would be sick. And the best part about it is you can get as much speed as you wanted. Oh my goodness. Like they is it still there and still possible. No, no. Oh. Twenty nineteen they took it down to build like a soccer field, which they haven't built yet, but Of course. But you know what? Got twenty years on it basically. And and so Aaron twenty thirteen, um, Nike skateboarding came to town. Like uh they had Grant Taylor wanted to skate this pool. Mm. They were watching when I bunny hopped over the diving board and in. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that and, clip. Yeah, and they saw that and like I don't know if Grant skated it before, but he they got the pool drained because he wanted to stall the block. He like frontside pivoted on the block, and that was insane. But the you know we never get to ride it in the fall because like hurricanes come up and they just fill they leave a little bit of water, but if it's warm then it would go away right it would evaporate yeah and you could drain it, but when a hurricane comes through and it adds ten feet of water in it you're like you're not getting through that right um, but so when Nike came through it drained it and it didn't rain for a week. Oh boy. Perfectly dry. And, and for me, it was just like, all right, I, I'm never going to get these perfect conditions. Mm-hmm. We have seven days and just kind of was trying to get my legs back. And eventually was just like, all right, I've never done that. I want to do that. And just, it was weird. Cause like, like riding lumpy transition, trying to, trying to get over it, but it worked. It definitely scared the shit out of me, but <laughs> like, cause you can't fall in this pool. It's like, no. Sand. Oh. It's brutal. It's brutal. So, no falls. Got all my skin. It's great. And Ooh. then what was the other one? Oh, Bob Edson's garage. He just mentioned a flare in Bob Edson's garage, and he said both in Cheap Thrills for anyone who yeah. wants to see this. Yeah, cheap, cheap. Yeah, flare and Cheap Thrills was just like it's like the pure ridiculousness because I think I just learned flare, so you want to put it everywhere you can. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and so that was. Like it's a two car garage and I can't do that on the bird wall. It basically landed flat, but it was like a two car garage, a, a traditional oh my two it's like Behringer's garage. Like yeah. flaring in that. Like I don't know if you remember Behringer's garage. Yeah. But like stupid small, but landing flat. Couldn't land any more on the <laughs> on the ground and <laughs> yeah. not but hey, whatever. I went upside down instead of garage. Wow, yeah. I mean not it's too many out- you're like this is kind of stupid but hey man that's everything i do (laughs) (laughs) it's a novelty uh so i i've been meaning to ask everybody this but i always forget but i'm curious to hear like aside from running what are you into outside of bmx like what do you do what do i do uh i like cooking um it's i like shooting photos a lot I've been shooting, running, and and I was shooting more riding. I just don't, I don't know. I just haven't had the, t- I don't know. Um, but I've been shooting like a lot of running photos, mm-hmm. running photos, and doing like kind of motion graphics and and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of the running photos lately, just kind of discovering like sides of that sport, especially like the college, like cross country mm-hmm. stuff, has been, oh my god, it's so ridiculous. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I, I had photography written as the thing that I knew was gonna come up. For yeah, that, guilty. I, <laughs> no, dude, photography's awesome. I mean, I, I've taken my share of photos too. What do you shoot on? Uh, I have a Canon R6. Nice. And so I shoot that, and then, but it's been fun. Cause like I got into a bunch of the like shooting some of the races, like. I went to New York over in March and shot the half marathon. And then the, the woman that I shot photos of the woman, it's just me staying on the sidelines shooting, but like trying to shoot unique stuff and different stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, got some photos of the woman that eventually won the New York marathon this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then like going, I went and shot the um, Tracksmith Trials of Miles. Um, trials of Miles? Yeah, Trials of Miles, like Night of the Track or Track Night at Icann Stadium in New York and that was a cool experience because like all like the top like there's like your classic photographer like mm -hmm. running photographer like it's probably been doing it forever that's kind of old and whatever but this was like picture like BMX or skaters how they dress and how they like their demeanors and all that stuff but they're running photographers oh gotcha yeah it was like a scene and it was like oh oh damn look at all these there was like they had everyone out and so it was fun to kind of go shoot that and just come i don't know it just i would love to do more and i don't know but that's that's my thing that's what i like doing yeah but i i remember drones Love that's drones. what I was going to bring up too. I don't re remember too much drone stuff lately, but I remember a couple of years ago you were posting drone stuff like every day. Yeah, that was just fun to explore. And There's... I guess I don't have as. I got a real job now, so I don't really have the time to oh, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. I still have that free time to go out and drone all the time. But... Drones are fun. Yeah, it's just fun to see places like you don't get to see. Yeah, from a like... perspective that you'd never, ever have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Like we had snow the other day, and I there's a bowling alley by my house. And I just like put the drone up and sat inside the house, and and like I didn't go very far. It's like 100 feet, but like mm -hmm. you, this parking lot was like freshly covered, and there was just one set of tire tracks through it. Yeah, and it looks like it just it looks pretty cool. So it's kind of neat to see the like, oh, dice remember that picture you yeah, just posted yeah. the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of neat to be like that's what the world looks like when it's you know covered in snow everything like diminished like only the edges are left and yeah. spread everything is like black and white uh and then I, there's one other thing i'm going to ask from the chat after this next one though because I, I remember something about like running every street in buffalo or something what was that again that was 2016 it was like the mile by mile project and it's this comes from like bmx right the idea like you know how you go to a new city or a new place and you're like, you're just the eyes are looking like, where, where, right. Where am oh I? yeah. No matter where you are. Yeah. And like in a, in your own place, in your own city, you're like, like there's gotta be spots I'm missing. Mm -hmm. What about this street? What if I don't, what neighborhood haven't I been in? And so it was that thought. And the years prior, I've been kind of running different places throughout the city and doing new routes. And then it was, then I was just like, what if I just, like, I've always wanted to see every street or see, like, in that search for spots. And I was like, well, I'm just going to run every street. And that way, I definitely see every spot. Yeah. And I didn't find too many spots, but I did run every street. That's funny. 
I did it. I started on January 1st, 2016 and ended up like it was supposed to train for the Buffalo marathon. Okay. Right. And so I didn't run any of the marathon course. So I finished everything except for the marathon course. I run the marathon and then the finish line ends up being the finish line for the race and the challenge at the same time. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Like how? Not... Go so ahead. Like, no, no, go, I was, it took, yeah, so the race was May 28th. So it was like five months or, yeah, I can't, I can't do math right now. So a little over five or under five months. So you did it, did you do it on purpose to make the, was it the spot was like the, where it finished was the yeah. last. Yeah. That's so cool. What a perfect way to just end yeah. that. It was, it was cool. It was definitely not like the race, the day of the race. It was like so warm that it took me like f over five hours to do it. Cause I was like, at this point, you like, you can't go for a time. You just have to finish. Otherwise oh, yeah. like, the challenge is kind of all for not. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. You're like, you just got to finish. Yep. So. All right, Jim, here it is. Somebody brought it up. <laughs> we talked about this at the beginning yeah. and you said you're cool. With it, so I'm cool. Yeah. Ask about his road fools experience. Okay. Road Fools seven was great. I <laughs> love that time. Well, let's say, I will say one thing about Road 7. Um, it was one of the neatest things. I know Heaton and I kind of talked about it, how it was, it was the, like, new guns, obviously new guns, but it had this old guard of the original Road Foolers. Mm -hmm. So it felt like a privilege to be able to connect to that. Oh, so, nice. Which was, which was cool, which was a neat experience. I don't know if other... Road Fools have gotten that experience, mm -hmm. uh, but I was one of the things I recognize. But um, I'm assuming you're talking about the mirror thing. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what's. I mean, he. Uh, it's my my buddy uh, Barry from. I think he's Nebraska. He he brought it up at the very beginning, so I'm assuming. Yeah, that's no problem. Um, definitely was wrong. Um, I, it was more of like. Yeah, you kind of like a a teenager or a young young dude and you don't you know it's like you make the mistakes of not fully trying to understand someone before you before you say something wrong mm -hmm. and i think that's what i said at the end of the road fools the idea that like oh you know like i i should have you know not said obviously i should not have said what i said i should have asked him or but i think it was this this mix of styles right yeah like seeing this Dave style where he was he was kind of gung-ho and doing it which was like his I think his style like I didn't know that was like such other side of BMX that I was so foreign to mm -hmm. whereas where like it took me a lot of nerve to get to do something big where he seemed like he could just go do it yeah like oh wow because he did some there's another rail he does there that I don't think it's the justice it's like i think it's filmed in the middle and there's a this small flat section that's so oh my god so rock so rough it was the craziest thing ever i've, I've seen it was yeah. wild. um but again just different styles and so what actually know. happened and what what even happened oh because it was like it was like me like behringer and maybe Wes, and then dave was with us so imagine like 
and Dave was just firing out like rails. Like he was just, he was excited and just let loose. He was really excited and have his skill and just be able to pull everything. You're like, oh my God, what's going on here? And, <laughs> and he was just, and, and he, he was like firing out things that would scare the crap out of us, I think, mm-hmm. or would make us like, like take us a bunch of nerve to, to do it. Definitely yeah. take me a lot. And he was firing it out and was like, wait, what is going on? Is he? You know, I definitely was like, what's up? What's going on? You know, and that's, I don't know. I don't know. I never got to fully, I guess, understand Dave, mm-hmm. like his rival is because I've never really ridden with that whole scene or got to experience and understand it. So I definitely was out of, you know, made that mistake of not of talking about something I didn't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I kind of, I'll be honest, I haven't seen what everyone's talking about, so I don't even know what happened. Yeah, I basically ran my mouth about him. Oh. <laughs> Not, yeah, and then, I, as we go through the road fools, I, like, he didn't see that. Props did it, right? Props saw it. Mm-hmm. And but he didn't know anything about it. And as we went through the trip, I started to understand, you know, oh, okay. I started to understand him a little more. Oh, okay. By the end, um, I you know I came to terms with the fact that I was wrong, and it was just like, oh, okay, no, it's definitely, definitely wrong. That's for sure. Gotcha. So the record has been cleared, and yeah, it it was cleared at the end of Road Fools. I don't know if anyone got to the end of Road Fools to see it, but <laughs> from from everybody telling me to ask you about it, I don't think they did either. <laughs> Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. And then, uh, I'll, I'll have to live with it. That's fine. Maybe, maybe to end this thing, we, uh, we tell the egg story. <laughs> Cause why not? Uh, yeah, we'll get them all in. Um, so there was the King of the Road, essentially that Thrasher King of the Road thing, and Ride UK was trying to emulate that. Okay. And, uh, I love, I love the idea of that because he kind of like, I need some things to motivate me to get me to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of times it'll work that way. But um, so 2009, we it was the Odyssey team, but I'm not actually on the tour. I'm the team manager. Oh, okay. And so I'm driving around the UK. I think we did 1,500 miles in the UK. No, we can't have done that much. We did a lot of miles, but. We have this van that has a governor on it of like 55 or 50. Oh, wow. And the clutch doesn't work. Oh, you no. have to push so hard. And so by the end of it, like my leg hurts and I'm just like over it. And then so one of the challenge, I think it was like you had to, I don't know, you had to do some eggs. Either had to hit one of the other teams, blah, blah, blah. And here I am. We're at the very last stop. Say the, say the thing ends at 1 o'clock, right? Contest is over at 1 p.m. Like, okay. And it's after 1 p.m. And Ben Hennon hits me with one. I was like, I had like no clothes, no anything, like no, nothing clean. And I was just like, he hits me. I'm like, it's after time. No, (laughs) didn't matter. Right. That's fine. But I was like, all right, I could either be seething in anger or I could just be like, go over and say, you know, how bummed I am. But I meant to say it in a, in a more professional way quiet mm-hmm. tone and eventually it evolved into me yelling at him and yeah so oops yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's what why somebody called said Eggman. <laughs> yeah, excellent, right? Funny. That's why, like, when I did, we had an ad where, like, when I hopped the diving board, instead of the Sunday word bubble, it was just an egg with <laughs> nice. Sunday written across it. You're like, yeah. But me and Ben made up. We're this cool. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? It was. I would argue that there's, there's some other political forces to play in part of that, but oh, that okay. the blow of it, but whatever. So, well, uh, so was BMX. You see yourself riding for as long as you can, or yeah, I think I think so. I feel like I found of, I found a like a hook in my, like I don't. Obviously, winter it's a little harder to ride. Yeah. Um, but like when it's summer or when it's the first nice day or when I can get out, it is, it is like the search for joy. Like this idea of like, I'm literally only going out to find a smile, put a smile on my face. And whether that means, you know, bump jumping a curb or carving a bowl or, you know, or landing some, I still got to do a handrail. Yeah. So maybe I should wait till next year when I'm 50. Oh, there you go. Right. Like. I got to do a flare, got to do a handrail. Um, Downside hand plant. Yeah, I don't think that one's that hard. I think I could do that one. I think you can um, do that one. Yeah, it's like one of the, like I was saying earlier, if you can figure out the trick to the trick yeah, and come back to it. Um, but yeah, like I, I literally just don't want to be bleeding and put a smile on my face. And yeah, and I've, I've found a way to do that. That's Low awesome. expectation that does that. Yeah. If your expectations are low, you can't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, I just literally just want to go fast and jump things right now. That's, I mean, that's the heart of of it, right? Yeah, it's the return to youth. That's what you did as a kid, right? Jump the jump those dirt piles at your baseball diamonds, and <laughs> I was too scared to do that. No, yeah, yeah, I can, I can remember a time arguing with my neighbor who was four years older than me and got me into BMX because I wouldn't go off of a kicker that we made that was, you know, a foot and a half tall. Like, I'm not doing it. And just arguing for like a half hour, like, just do it. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> That doing was my it. brother. That was my brother. <laughs> He's six years older than me and would always get me, like, to do. I had, we had this, like, like wooden wagon. He put, like, a wedge ramp. Like, oh. it was just a sheet of plywood laid down. And then he built an extension off of it. But, like, I remember being in like fifth grade jumping off this wedge thing, like, like over all this stuff. That's and that was so like a weird sick. moment. Yeah. This weird moment. I read Takara jumping like, like at least half of a, basically we had a two car driveway. Uh -huh. So like jumping, not the full length of it, probably three quarters of it, like 10 and being like, Oh, Oh, I think I surprised him. I definitely surprised myself. That's gnarly. That's like, yeah, for a 10-year-old, that's gnarly, dude. It was just, it was an interesting, we probably all have some moment. Like, when did you, well, how old were you when you started riding? 15? 13. 13. I just turned 13 when I got a real BMX bike. And what was the first thing that you did that you're like, oh, like, surprised yourself? Oh, man. I don't know if I can remember a specific moment or thing. <laughs> I can remember. What was uh, the first trick you wanted to learn? Well, the first actual trick that I learned was a rolling crank flip. Okay. Okay. But I can. So my story is a little 
I don't know. I, I remember the first time I ever went to the skate park was the first time I got a real, like when I got my real bike, because we mm -hmm. went from the skate park to the bike shop and then the bike shop owner, my dad had worked on his car, so we owed him money. So we got a deal on a bike and I got a bike that day and went back to the skate park and was dropping in and hitting the spine and all this stuff. But that night I just saw all of you the, hit the spine on your first day. Yeah. That's cool. And dropped in regular and opposite. I remember that specifically. <laughs> but I don't know if there's... I think it was just that moment and all of the really, really good riders were at the park. Like Which park was this? Worcester Skate Park. The Lip Lords Park. This one okay. I still ride all the time. Like okay. I, I filmed Sponge on my Motorola Razor. He 270'd the hip, then he 3'd the spine, then he did a bar to fakie. And the bar to fakie was above coping, and it was just, it's just that moment. That actually, you know what? That was it. That video and that moment was the I'm hooked moment. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I think. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say that I think that's the moment, and that's. I mean, he and I are still like best riding buddies to this day, and still filming together, and. When was the last time he did an X up nose really? Uh, he did one at Rays a couple years ago. Maybe okay. like three or four years ago. We could get him to do another one. Yeah, he kind of resurrected every once in a while. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple other tricks, too, that I'm going to try and make him do that he's talked about. And how another X up nose would be great if we get a good spot for it. Has anyone done like a X up double peg to over X up double peg? Whew, on a rail yeah i bet anything that there's people who could do it and we might see that i, I don't know if there has or not yet like so you just you have to do, be able to do axe ups opposite but i have a buddy who i don't know if he does predators but he can do like the regular and opposite x up rides so maybe yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, can we please get a 22 inch Sunday? What are you still involved with Sunday at all? What's I talk to those guys, but I definitely don't not in any capacity okay. like to that, to point it out. I think, you know, I think, um, the 24 was definitely a struggle, mm -hmm. um, to make, cause we put out, you know, a pro level high quality frame yeah. and that, that was just too much for people to to try out right to see if it worked mm -hmm. um i think they were kind of ner they were kind of nervous about sinking money into doing a 22 to think to see if it would work right it's a lot of money and tooling and blah blah, blah and, yeah and you know the thought was like let's let's somebody else kind of do it and now that it's coming around i don't i don't know what their, their thoughts are it would be cool yeah um but I would be gone. Yeah. It'd be a little model C. It's like a lowercase C <laughs> <laughs> or a big, big 20 or, or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I wish it'd be cool. But again, it's just money really. Or yeah. it's just, is the market there? Is yeah. are people able to replace the stuff, you know, when they break it? Right. Yeah. I know there's rims that are available but i don't know about other stuff i i snm makes fork there's a couple other things yeah there's not a lot i bet the forks they could do it's just the rims and the tires and the tubes it's 
probably the, the big issue. Yeah, well, I know Alienation makes rims and tires. Okay. They just posted about the new rims coming in today, actually. Oh, yeah. 22 yeah. inch? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put a word in for whoever that was. Let's see. There you go. MVP <laughs> Garage. <laughs> okay, MVP Garage. I'll, I'll put a word in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I. Is there anything else that we want to talk about here? Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up? No. Uh, there was something I forgot. Let me see. Brakes? Brakes? No, I don't remember. Was it brakes, tricks, pegs, skate parks? I shouldn't get on. Um. I still want to see people do. Has anyone done tailboard rice? Yeah, uh, Steve Woodward. On a rail? Oh, I don't know about a rail. I was going to say yeah. Steve Woodward just posted one on a double coping spine, though. Okay, that's sick. Yeah, but I don't know about a rail. Someone could do it. Like, someone did. Uh, who did 270 over ice? Was that um, Dan? Foley? No, no. Not uh, Dan Foley. Lacey. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> contest, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see that one. Or even the 270 crank slide become normal. Shoo. That's possible. That's yeah. so possible. There's, um, Chris, right? There's a dude from from uh, Toronto that would do it. He did it at the X-Wheels skate park here where he, like, landed bottom bracket more. I, I'm blanking on his name. I'm totally... On a rail? Yeah, yeah. Holy like how. But not like a real rail, like skate park rail, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the first in, uh, what's it called, did it? Um, swamp guy. Swamp Trey? guy. Trey, yeah. Didn't he do something 270 crank slide? I'm not sure. He probably, he might have. Okay. I'd... I'd love to see that. That would be cool. I'm just putting requests out for people. Yeah, the the Jim <laughs> C. Bounties right now. Let's we'll see. Him. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? I don't know. There's got to be more. Chris Silva. Yeah, Chris Silva. Duh. That's Sorry. the name. <clears throat> yeah, he's so, done a lot of wild stuff, and he's been killing it for so long. Yeah, he has. He did a freaking three-tap on, like, a rail or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. What about, like, uh, fire slides to, to fakey down rails? Like, yeah, I feel like you've got to go over. I don't know. Well, the one or maybe not. Like Trey did that that tire slide to fakie, like basically three sixty fakie, but tire slide in it. He did it really well in his new like uh, Barcelona video. He did one like oh that. yeah, and like that. I think wild is it like Barcelona tire slide or something like that? Oh my gosh, on a rail. Yeah. <sighs> They're possible know. moves, but man. There's yeah. a reason why you haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting into dream territory here. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, man, I appreciate you coming on here and chatting with me. Yeah, I'd like to talk. I'm a long talker. Two hours, 18 miles. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. And uh, I, I hope everyone enjoyed this. Yeah, I learned a lot and I appreciate it. And maybe I'll get to see you on Tuesday. We'll have yeah. to see. All right. All right. I mean, we may swap, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and have a good night. Follow Jim on Instagram. Is there somewhere else where you people would want to see your stuff? 
I make for a YouTube channel. We'll see. But other than that, just J- add Jim Selinski. Um, you'll figure out my name. Um, <laughs> I do a li- add mile by mile photos, just like kind of like running and sports photos that I hope it's not just basic sports photography, but mm-hmm. whatever. That's where I kind of post a lot of stuff. So right on that's it. Instagram. That's it. Well, find them on there. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good night.